What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Glock 9 Show. I appreciate all the feedback on the show. A lot more reviews have come in. A lot of more viewer, listener numbers have been coming through. Uh, a lot of people have been sharing it on social media and tagging me in it. I greatly appreciate everyone trying to get all their friends to listen. That is absolutely amazing to see all the five-star reviews on Apple and you know the thumbs up on Pandora. Wherever you guys listen to it at, I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Today's episode, we are going to get into what it's like to deal with gaming companies. One of the questions that were asked, which I think we've kind of gone over it in previous episodes, but haven't really in depth got into it. But what it's like to deal with, you know, gaming platforms, like companies such as High Res Studios. <laughs> A lot of people have been asking, like, what it's like, you know. So I'll, I'll read this question off for you guys. Uh, what's it like dealing with gaming platforms and/or companies like Rogue Company, getting involved with the with the beta for nearly eight months, then playing the game when released, and dealing with game developers and such? So I've dealt with game developers, you know, such as High Res in the past, uh, and getting involved with them. It, it seems like a great thing. It seems like an awesome place to be for example with with realm royale it was so easy to reach out when we got partnered with them you take a clip of your stream and say hey look at this bug i found and for a while it was nice knowing that you were it was nice knowing that you had a voice and you were helping improve the game not just for yourself but you're improving it for you know your friends your community that play the game other streamers and such and then they, this is for high res, not all game developers, but you see the issues they're having with like Call of Duty uh, constantly. We, we went over that in the, in the episode of the state of Call of Duty where they keep getting the stim glitch back and stuff like that. It comes to me as lazy development, lazy developers. I mean, I, I don't know what it's like to actually develop a game uh, to fix bugs. I don't know exactly. I don't know. I'd, that's not my specialty, but I can only imagine like it must be frustrating for them just as much as it is for the person streaming or playing the game. But the thing is, with Realm Royale, it came to a point where we were we would literally a lot of us would go out and actually do our research with how much damage numbers each one did, whether it's a body shot, headshot, and we would. We, I, I remember in Realm Royale when they came out with the update for the Arbalest. We went out there and tested it out, and literally, an Arbalest shot to the head was like a one shot, even with full armor and full health. And we told them that before they even released it, and they chose not to listen to us. Now that's an easy change, which I've heard people I know that are developers. They went out there. They were like, "Look, it, you literally go into the game code and you change the damage number. It's that easy." And they didn't change it. They released the update. It was. Extremely frustrating. Every real player besides bots that were in the game was using the Arbalist, and if you didn't see them before they shot, you're instantly just dead or chicken. And it's, it's extremely frustrating. It's, just, it's so stupid to even think that they would allow it to go through. But again, it's lazy development. Now, when it came to Rogue Company, they debuted Rogue Company at the High Res Expo. Now, how I, how I got into the that testing phase was we all went to, this isn't talking crap. Okay. I remember when we talked about this on stream one time, someone ran over and told somebody that I said something. It wasn't to be 
malicious or rude or anything like that, but we all went to the Rogue Company's little panel they had where they were explaining the game, what the story is behind the game, what the plan is, and this and that. And there was like 12 of us right in the middle of Scott Gandhi's, uh, who's the main developer of Rogue Company. He was talking. There's like 12 of us that stood up and walked out on him. And then we were talking to one of the, mar he was like a marketer for the game. And some people that we were with were very rude. Uh, you know, basically told them that they don't think that this is the way to go. This game isn't going to you know, be this, be that. It's going to be dead on arrival, blah, blah, blah. Well, I ended up having a longer conversation with them, talking to them, and kind of getting more of a feel for the game. We tested the game out there, and it was, you know, it was all right. You know, I didn't really have too much of a problem with it. Well, this guy ended up getting in my email, and two, I didn't expect anything to happen from him, but like two months later, he sent me an email uh, with the friends and family code. So I got, I got in there before the initial alpha testers got in there, and it was like every skin was the same. It was... Every gun was, you know, they had some guns that even have weapon skins on it or any, any type of like special thing about them. But so I tested the game out probably about an hour or two a night. I'd be sitting there playing it again. You pretty much can only play against bots until they opened it up to local people who had it. And then like one thing I will say, one thing they did listen to me on was the sniper scope was the usual you know, cross, but it had a big circle in the middle. And I made a comment to him. I said, dude, I can't even see the, when I'm aiming in, if they're in that circle, it's so big, I can't see. And then they, the developer actually came to me and I'm, you know, he looked into me, found out that I love snipers. I love sniping in every game I play. And he was asking me, what's the best kind of crosshair to put? And I, and the, so the crosshair that actually Phantom has was not really my design, but it was my suggestion, you know, to him. And then, so the, the crosshair she has on her sniper is actually what I helped, you know, design for the game, which actually is really cool to see something that you extensively worked with a developer on and got something changed. But, you know, during the eight months, like they were, dude, they were honestly taking all of our suggestions they were listening to us, asking us questions, having us fill out surveys and like every week. And, you know, the game came out and, you know, I, I told the story, I think episode 10 or 11, whatever it is about, you know, with the whole Paladins thing. Well, then, it, and I didn't really hold that against Rogue Company. I didn't really hold that against Rogue Company because that's, you guys got to remember, Hybrid Studio is a bunch of different gaming uh, companies within one. So the people who made uh, Paladins, which is Evil Mojo, uh, Heroic Leap was was the ones who made Realm Royale, and I can't remember uh, who makes Rogue Company, but I didn't hold that against them, you know what I'm saying? But then, you know, like I said, when I got denied partner by them, uh, when I would try to reach out to people from the game, I was getting no response, um, and I realized I was black blacklisted from the entire community uh, to the developers, to the community managers and stuff like that. So it was honestly, it was honestly a very disheartening thing with all the work that I put in, all the testing hours I put in. I mean, I literally had almost, almost uh, 800 hours in road company before it was even released to open beta, not even closed beta. So that was all like hours against bots and trying to discover bugs and trying to discover things that are OP 
trying to make sure this game is amazing when it launches and then to be blacklisted off of something so stupid uh, was very disheartening. You know, but it's it's one of those things where, like, even when we were working on Paladins, you know, and we were streaming on their channel, you know, it was so easy to clip something, send it to them, and it was getting fixed pretty quick. But when you're working with these companies trying to, you know, help out, they, they kind of see it as, and I understand this to a point, a lot of the times there's a lot of people that reach out and they want to change things for themselves, not for the better of the game or anything. They change it for themselves. And so they don't listen to all the feedback. And they'll listen to it. They won't be very adamant about changing anything. So like, there's a lot of things in Paladins that were OP and they didn't listen to us as long as they thought they, they knew better. Because there's one thing you have to remember. <laughs> it's pretty funny. A lot of these developers do not play their own games. Like they, a lot of them don't play their, you'll find some people within the company that work on the game that actually play the game, but think of it like, like your own job, you know? Um, when you spend eight, eight to 10 hours a day working on this game, you don't really want to go play that game at night, you know? You want to leave work at work. So a lot of people don't really like doing that, you know what I'm saying? So it's like a lot of them didn't play the game, so they didn't experience what we were experiencing. So essentially, if you're not playing your own game, you're not dealing with the same frustrations we are. You're not dealing with the same aggravating bugs that we're dealing with. Now, the same can be said for a lot of the Call of Duty devs, Overwatch devs. I've heard the same thing from multiple communities, multiple pro players that they don't understand. Yeah, remember, they're making a game and they're going, I don't know what they're going off of, to be honest with you. I don't know, like, where, like, how many times have you seen a game release something and you go, how did this get through? How did this, how did this even get approved? That's exactly where most of these games are. Like, Call of Duty, how did the DMR get approved? How did the AUG get approved? You know, how did, you know, how did, how did this Arbalist get approved? You know, it's like. Because they're going off of something else that we have no idea what, the, what where they're getting their feedback from. We have no idea where, uh, you know, their community manager, they listen to the community. And a lot of the time, they kind of, like, look at us as just complainers. I mean, we've gotten into it multiple times in the high-risk community with their community managers. Because, like, I'll talk about, I mean, I speak so highly of Jay Nash. He put the bar so high. Everyone after him, they didn't care about us. They didn't care about our opinion. They didn't care about... The stream sniping, the cheaters, this and that. They were like, oh, it's so hard to do this. But it's like, no, it's really not. You just don't want to spend the money for anti-cheats or some kind of anti-cheat system. Because at the very end of the day, it's about money. It's about making money for them. It's a business for them. It's fun for us. And sure, our stream's a business. But the, our streams are not their first priority. I mean, in all honesty, even even our funny really isn't their first priority. As long as they're, they're going to make money, they're going to make money. That's why Realm Royale got the plug pulled on them. I talk about it all the time. I don't want to get in Realm Royale because it's just it, it beating a dead horse. But, I mean, that's why the, the plug got pulled. Uh, they weren't making any money on the, the last Battle Pass they released. No one really bought it because the items in it weren't very good. Uh, the item shop were just reskins, and no one bought the reskins. So if you can't make money... You can't pay employees. So, I mean, that's how the game dies. But, you know, they kind of try to blame us. And it was like, you know, for not paying. It's like, no, you didn't come out with anything worth buying. You know, and that's Call of Duty where people are gonna, always going to buy the Battle Pass. Even though 
Think about one thing for Call of Duty. We buy the battle pass every season, right? How many items in that battle pass do you really use? How many of the operator skins do you really use? How many of the weapon skins do you really use? You really don't use anything in the battle pass. Even the level 100 skins you don't really use. You use the ones from the shop. You buy it. You, you spent, what is it, 2,400 COD points for most of these packs with the one skin in it. You'll use that skin for like four months and then until you, you spend more money on the next one. You know, even when you buy the weapon skins, it's like when you start editing the attachments, the weapon skin kind of goes away and you kind of have the base of it. But again, they keep coming out with these different skins, different operator skins to keep getting people spending money. And that that is how these companies make their money is nowadays. Nowadays, every game is free to play. Warzone, Paladins, Realm Royale, Rogue Company, they're all free. So they got to make money somehow. That's that's their bottom line is is the company making money is the game being profitable that so That's what they're focused on. They're not focused on you. They're not focused on me. They're not focused on our streams They're focused on what is selling what is hot You know, I think of Fortnite Fortnite's kind of run into Fortnite's kind of ran into the uh, I ran out of ideas kind of for their 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 game like right now they're in like a primal stage you know prehistoric kind of stage and the game's still all right i play with my son every now and then uh but fortnite you have no community managers as far as i know i've never seen one never heard of one they don't take feedback from anybody they do their own thing but here's the thing they are a multi-billion dollar company because they know that their audience is children and they do my son spends more time in the item shop looking at dances than he does playing the game now and he's always asking me to buy him dances buy him dances i'm like dude you only equip like four five but he always wants new dances so i don't i mean i haven't been buying them for him because they're so expensive i'm thinking about one dance is like eight dollars i'm all like dude this is ridiculous but you know there's parents out there that are buying these things for these kids and then they came out with a uh monthly subscription it's like eleven dollars a month where every month you get like 1600 v bucks i think it is a free skin that comes with a back bling pickaxe um i can't remember what else is in it but basically a lot of parents are saying here i'll do this monthly subscription for you that's how you buy your stuff and then oh you get a free battle pass with that too so you think about it the battle pass now costs eight dollars right but you only get one new your two battle passes a year you get one they i think they just came out with one in like february right you won't get another one until about august and then maybe you might get one in like november december usually you might get three right but you're paying 11.99 a month when you do the math on that they're making three times more doing that monthly subscription than if you just bought the one battle pass even the v bucks they give you even the v bucks from the battle pass they're still making more money if you just do the subscription so that way people like me i got my son the subscription so that way, every month you get sixteen hundred V bucks. You spend that, you're done. You're done. You spend your V bucks, bro. You're, you're, I'm not buying you anything else. But they're still making more money that way because you know it's very smart marketing. Um, people who make Fortnite, I mean, are so smart with marketing. They you know they've actually been working with what Star Wars, Marvel, you know, all these companies paying all this money for the rights to use their stuff, but they know everyone's gonna buy it. I already know when the when a Spider-Man skin comes out, my son's gonna be screaming and begging me for it. And I already told him, I'll, you know, I'll get it for him if it comes out. But it's like, dude, that skin right there is gonna be like twenty bucks, and everyone's gonna buy it. Everyone's gonna buy it. 
It's such smart marketing. It's so smart. But again, when it comes to the streamer working for these companies or not working for these companies, but like working with these companies, you know, we're always looking for ways to, it's not wrong because that's part of what we do as streamers. You want to get yourself out there at the same time. You want to make the game better. But like when I did the Q and a with Realm Royale, I talk about this all the time. It's a great example. I was playing with their 3d artist. I won't say his name, but great dude. Love that man to death. He's such a passionate man about what he works on. He works on road company now, but we were playing off stream. We we're having a conversation and I made a comment how, dude, I would love to have a, just sit down and have a Q and a with these guys. And he actually pushed it to the community manager. And then, and then I reached, he told me to reach out to him. So I reached out to him and we set this whole thing up. And a lot of people were like, why'd you go with Glock over like somebody else? You know, cause I wasn't the most popular streamer of Realm Royale. And the exact answer from the community manager was, well, he asked. And that's one thing with being a streamer, working with these companies or working with trying to partner. And we will talk about partnerships with the companies later on, but in a different episode, but the thing is, being a streamer, you cannot be afraid to reach out to anybody and ask questions or ask for an interview or ask for this or ask for that. Because the worst thing they can say is no. If you don't ask, you definitely won't get it. They're not going to come reach out to you. These these companies will not watch streams and then like your stream at the bottom of the directory and reach out to you and say, hey, would you want to do this? No. They're going to go with the most popular person. They're going to go with the most people they can get their eyes in front of them. But they're, they're if you can sell it to them, you may get a chance to actually get them on your stream or get them on a podcast or get them on somewhere or, or ask for, you know, to test something out and show it off on stream, make a video. You have to reach out to these people. A lot of my time is constantly spent sending emails to multiple companies, knowing that one, I'm not going to hear anything back Two, It's going to be a rejection. It's very rare. It's going to be, uh, they're going to approve it, especially when they go and see my, if they pull my stream and be like, Oh, he only has five viewers. Like, why am I going to, you know, go with this guy over this guy that has 40, you know, that's just the way the work. That's the way of the business, especially now, especially now when I, I've talked about, it, you know, countless times how everyone's trying to be a streamer before it was easier when there was less streamers. Now it's like, dude, you're one out of million, a million people that they can go, you know, partner with or talk to or interview with, or, you know, not as easy as everybody thinks especially nowadays it wasn't as easy back then either but nowadays you got to really really stand out to for one of these companies to you know notice you it doesn't even matter if you have like five thousand hours playing their game you don't have the viewers you don't have the community behind you you don't have anything to sell them on it's you know my main thing what i what i'm able to get across with most of the time when i talk to companies is i'm a facebook partner you know, Facebook gave me still so new and I use your cell. I'm like, Hey, I want, I want to be one of the first ones, you know, that are Facebook gaming partnered. And that's honestly how I got one of the ways like, I got partnered with gilded was that's how I sold it to him. I said, Hey, I noticed that a lot of your partners are all on Twitch. I would love to be one of the first ones on Facebook gaming. So I've been working with gilded a lot, trying to get them to work with Facebook and get a lot more things integrated with Facebook and they're working on it. I mean, I will say Facebook gaming is trying their best to integrate with stream deck, integrate with gilded and extra life and all these, you know, I've been trying to be the middleman for all these companies, you know, and yes, it's going to benefit me, but it's also going to benefit all the other streamers on the platform too. So 
but being a Facebook partner was it's so rare that you see a Facebook partner uh, unless you're in the community and you know who's partnered, but it's, it's so rare these companies get reached. They get reached out to by Twitch partners all the time, and you know, so now Mixer's gone. But it's like that, you know, they're oh, Facebook. That's a that's a new market for us. You know, let's go with one of the partners. I mean, it's just one of the ways you got to sell yourself. And that's the way. That's just how it's done. And that's that's the way the business is done. You know, you got to sell it to them. You got to make yourself the product and sell yourself to them, and and they have to you know. Give them, give them a reason to believe in you that you can showcase their game or showcase their product. That's the way it's done. And most of the time, they're going to read your message and get halfway through and be like, yeah, no. That's in the, I'm not even going to respond back. I mean, There's a lot of emails that go unanswered. But the thing is, I'll reach out to them again and say, hey, I never heard anything back. And, you know, this and that. Or if something... One of those things that... One of the frustrating things about, you know, gaming and streaming and, and products and stuff like that. Like, if you guys don't know, Gamer Advantage, well, you know, I talked about them all. I've had, you know, I've had the social media guy on there. I've had Brian, the owner of Gamer Advantage on there. Today is May 4th. They just came out with their brand new Horizon, Horizon glasses. I have them on the way right now. These things are absolutely amazing. So here's the thing. When, when it comes to me and Gamer Advantage... I'm very passionate about blue light blocking glasses. I used to have sleeping problems. I used to have headache issues and stuff like that. And it came from long hours of gaming or being on my phone or being on the computer. And I've done my research in it and I believe in it, right? So they just came out with their new Horizon frames. Okay. And you know, I'm not really going to use this as an ad. Just make sure you know use code Glock, G-L-O-C-K, for a discount when you go get them. But... The thing is, when I work with this company, and I use them as an example all the time, and the Horizon glasses are these new, super thin, super thin uh, glasses. So I'm, I'm, so when I'm so passionate about their glasses, especially these new ones, they literally have like these super flexible sides. Where you can literally, like, you can literally bend the sides all the way to the front, and they won't break. Okay, they're super lightweight. You know, they they are metal. You know, but the, and then what they're made of, like they've, you know, I've talked extensively with them about this product. Is the biggest thing, especially number one with with glasses, if you wear glasses is if you're gaming and have your headset on they push against your head these are so flexible you're not even going to notice them right they have the adjustable nose clip so you know it's all about comfort and the, the thing is when i work with this company and again this isn't an ad for them or anything even though i do a lot of work for them i'm just giving you an example when i worked with brian i've worked with joel the community guy um they've bumped my code up because a lot of you guys have bought them or, or tried them or bought some of their fog away and stuff like that. But the difference, it's not just, they don't just look at my sales and how many people use my, my code, even though all the, if you guys do buy Gamer Advantage classes with code Glock, you, all the proceeds do go to charity. Um, but they see how passionate I am. That's what the one thing they always talk about is I, I'm not just partnering with them to sell a product and make money and or even if it's for charity or not i partner with them because i truly believe in what they're putting out there i truly believe in 
you know, wearing these glasses and stuff like that. So they, they want to obviously work with me more because we have the same goal. Yes, they're a business. Yes, I'm a business. But at the same time, we believe in what each other's quote unquote selling, right? I'm not going to push a product I don't believe in. I'm not going to push a product that I don't use. And they then they're not going to put out a crappy product that doesn't work. Okay, so that's why we work so well together. And that's why we do so many different things together. So when you're looking at these companies and what company or gaming platform, whatever, don't just go after the most popular game and go try and hit up their dev team or try and hit up their community manager to do something. You got to make sure that you're passionate about it. I mean, you can be passionate about these low-level games, man. Everyone, I mean, there's a lot of people that are super passionate still about Valheim, even though I know it's fallen off quite a bit. It's one of those games that came out, everyone was into it, and then a lot of people fell off from it. Uh, but it's like, you know, if, if you're passionate about something, that's when you really should, you know, you know this is what I want to grab. This is what I want to do. This is what I believe in. That's when you reach out to these companies. And if you have an idea to make it better, if you have an idea for something, you reach out to them. It doesn't hurt to reach out to them. The, the, the littlest they can do, the worst thing they can do is tell you no, right? Like I've reached out to Gamer Advantage about certain things uh, and they love it. And then there's other things that I've, I've kind of reached out to them for and they were like, nah, they're like, no, like that's, no, that's not going to work. And I'm kind of like, oh, dang that. Well, kind of, no one likes to be rejected, right? No one likes, nobody likes their idea or, you know, something they're trying to push get rejected, but it's going to happen. And then again, they weren't rude about it. They were rude about it at all. They were just like, nah, it's not going to work, man. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that. Okay. Back to the drawing board, right? So the same thing, the same thing happens with, these, you know, like I said, high, high res is the main one I will talk about because the one main I've worked with three games with them over the last four or five years. I've worked on three games with them, and one of them I worked on for months before it was even released. So you know, I would love to work with other games. I would love, I would love to work with Call of Duty. I mean, we talked about it in the last episode. I've been loving multiplayer. I would love to like design a map with them and stuff like that. But I had, you know, they're such a huge company. They will not even listen to you, right? You know what I'm saying? I would love to talk to them about guns and this and that and actually do extensive research. But I know that I'm going to take take the opportunity to even listen to me, right? But again, guys, if you guys are passionate about something, you know, you guys want to partner with somebody or you guys want to, you know, even when it comes to gaming chairs, I just ordered a new chair. So I have extensive back problems. Um I have a secret labs code. I never push it. I like secret labs. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I like secret labs. I just had this conversation with one of you guys. I know listens to my podcast every week and I have a secret lab Titan. It's a great chair. Absolute great chair, especially with how expensive they are, but it's a great chair. The problem is I need for my back issues. I need an ergonomic chair. Like I need a, a, a different type of chair. I don't need the memory foam bottom and stuff. I need, I need a different, totally different type of chair. Um, so I'm going with a new brand of, uh, the Mavics chairs, ergonomic ones. I know a lot of people that have them. I tested one out. I really enjoyed it. I hit them up. I'm not saying it's going to work for you guys. I'm just giving you an example. I hit them up. I told them what issues I'm having and I want to try out an ergonomic chair. Can you guys kind of like give me more information, this and that? Well, they hit me up with a fat code. They gave me a huge discount. And, um, I mean, I said, I still had to pay 
couple you know a couple bones for it, you know what I'm saying but because uh, these chairs aren't cheap but they gave me a huge discount to where I couldn't say no I'm basically getting the chair for what they pay for it I mean that's the best way of putting it and but it's like I'm not gonna start pushing their product. I'm not going to sit there and tell everybody to buy it. I'm not going to ask for my own code or anything like that until I get it. I try it and I see the difference in it. If I don't see a difference in it, I don't really like it. I mean, I already asked there's, there's you know, I can return it. I have X amount of days to return it. So that's one of the things don't just cause you have something or something's easy access. If you, I mean, that's why I always talk about my word is my bond. Like you guys, I'm not going to sit there and push this this new chair. Before I even get the chair, this Mavic chair, I'm not going to push it to you guys. I'm not going to tell you guys to go buy one until I test it out, until I believe in it. You know what I'm saying? Until I realize the difference of why you should you should buy this chair. That's one thing, you know, as I said, you see this all the time. People, people, one of the biggest ones, that, now, I like this company. I'm not trying to talk trash about it. But Player One Coffee, they make good stuff. They make good coffee, okay? They're very expensive, but you literally can go on there and sign up for a code and literally you have the code in like 30 seconds. It doesn't take any, I mean, unless they change the process, but anyone can get a code. And so it's one of those companies that every streamer went out there and put, got their own code. They got their own code and started pushing it to everybody and they don't even drink coffee. Like, what is the point of that? Like, if you, you know, that's one thing I, you know, that it's a, it's a trap that everybody falls in because they, they constantly think, you know, they, they're thinking of ways to make money. And that's, a, I mean, it's not wrong. Again, streaming is about technically about making money. I mean, you're, it's why you have subs, it's why you have this, it's why you have that. Just believe in, just believe in what you're, what you're doing. That's it for this episode, guys. I appreciate it. I look forward to the next one, guys. Remember, send your questions and DMs or Gilded. Hit me up, man. I appreciate y'all. I'll have more information on the next episode coming soon. It's a big one. I love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Peace.